This is the day, you know it quite well, don't you? That the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to listen as you say that, but please only say it if it is the truth. Repeat with me. This is the day. Sounds good, especially this heavy baritone section over here. Yes, thank you, Steve and Lenny Tillman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was that B baritone? No, okay. Second Peter says, "Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to what life." and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. This morning, I know there's a song, I'm not sure the whole song, I only hear clips and pieces of it, but there is something that says, I'm not sure it's a song, Brother Bradshaw, but it says, show what your ma gear. I know what that means. I pick on you because you're close. You stare. You know, I would have picked him, but I wouldn't. But he said, don't try that. You see how he look at me? Okay. I'm here to say to you this morning, show what your father gave you. Every Christian, every Christian has two natures. A sinful nature received at birth from Adam. And a new nature received at the moment of regeneration. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Both natures have desires, one for evil and the other for holiness. Thus, they are diametrically opposed or in opposition to each other, in conflict, if you please, with each other. But then I'm reminded of, again, a very popular psalm, Chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, that says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way or path of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful or the scoffers or the mockers, but instead his delight is in the law of the Lord. In it he doth meditate both day and night. He shall be like a tree firmly planted, by the rivers of waters that bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaves shall never wither. And whatever he puts his hand to do, it will prosper. That's the man that walketh in the counsel of the ungodly. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way or path of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. See the trilogy here. There is a walking, then there is a standing, and then there is a sitting. This morning, I want to draw your attention to one phrase in terms of fruit, as you have an overview in the bulletin as to where we'd like to focus our time this morning. And let me apologize right at the beginning. I'm going to look at basically one verse. And I'm not going to be able to complete that. So I do apologize to you up front, um, not being able to do that. 
Galatians, as we look at these, maybe I call them triads, but we look at Galatians chapter 5, if you have the, I was going to say right Bible, it's on page 1,558, about two-thirds down the page, you will find these words in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, King James says long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness or meekness, self-control or temperance. Against such things there is no law. There's no law against loving, being joyful, being peaceful, being patient, kind, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, no law. To begin with, I wish to draw your attention to just two words. First one is fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit. Notice that the fruit is in a singular form. It's not fruits. Fruit. Singular, therefore constituting or suggesting a unity. The second word is spirit. This is the source of the fruit. You and I do not produce the fruit. This fruit comes from the spirit. The spirit is the source. Every Christian is to exhibit the fruit of the spirit if he or she is controlled by the Spirit of God. Now, we know that some of us as Christians do not always obey the Spirit's prompting and leading in our lives. But if we are to obey, and if we are obeying, then we should exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. I believe that the fruit of the Spirit may be aptly stated as simply this, demonstrating Christ-likeness. In other words, my brothers and sisters, we should demonstrate Christ's likeness in our lives. And when we do so, we will be demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what we've just read, there are nine listed. And because of what I said earlier, I will not be able to complete and go through all nine. So those of you who know the virtue of prayer, pray for me not to be as long as my legs. All right? Let's look then at the first of these graces or virtues, love. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. This is the agape love. It is the foundation of all the other graces mentioned, the other eight. In other words, all the other virtues or graces are expressions of love. You may have read, let me see if, well, or heard, in January 1978. How many of you read the paper then? Okay, it was a paper from Tampa, Florida that tells the story of James Michael Hopper, a little boy who was playing with his dog on a 
railroad track, and he had it on a leash, but the dog got off the leash and was on the track, and the train was coming quickly down the track. Of course, Michael went after his dog to save his dog, and he did, to shorten the story. But in doing so, the train ran over Michael, so much so that Michael lost both his legs. By comparison, some would wonder, boy, I ain't losing my leg over no dog. Hot dog, or not, I ain't no dog. So, but when you compare a dog to your legs, or a man to a mere animal, something clearly shows that Michael really loved his dog, that he was prepared in spite of, you know, I'm going to rescue my dog from this train. How tragic that this boy would lose both legs to save a mere animal. But the difference between man and animal is minuscule when it be considered the difference between God and man. And yet, Jesus gave his life for us. We've just remembered that this morning. And when you look at that, wow, what love, what a powerful expression of love is demonstrated there. You see, once a person, I believe, has truly comprehended the magnitude of God's love for him or her uh, as demonstrated by Christ, I believe that he or she is obligated. I believe that he or she is obligated to allow the Spirit of God to reflect that love in and through his own life. You know, Scripture reminds us that if someone came in and just hang out with us for one service, we would like for them to go away from that experience by saying, wow, behold how the Christian at CBC loved each other. We can leave that impression. I believe we would have attained or accomplished the fact that our love really is expressive and it is overflowing. And to the astute and even to the casual observer who might walk into our midst here at Calvary uh, Bible Church, and if they say to you, well, do you really love like this so that it is self-evident? I would wish that we can all say yes, but not only say it with our mouths. It will be clearly evident. The question, though, that we must ask ourselves, do we truly exhibit Christ's love to one another? But we know the sad truth is that from time to time, we who bear the name of Christ really tarnish that name by the absence of love for one another. Instead, we reflect the likeness of Satan instead, or of the flesh, by petty fault-finding, backbiting, or feuding. My brothers and sisters, these things and practices are not to be hatched or incubated in the recesses of our minds and perfected or given birth to through the application among the incredible body of Christ. This is the body for which Christ himself gave his precious blood. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, joy. Let's look at this joy, kara, Greek word. Now this is not the cosmetic joy of a forced smile. You ever saw that on anybody's face? 
a forced smile or the perfunctory handshake. Mind you, if you were paying attention this morning when you went around during that fellowship time, there were five people in here who was faking a smile. Now, you want to know who the five was, right? Or were. Well, I'm not just throw the number. But, you know, sometimes we do that to people. If you watch some people long enough, watch the moment they smile and when they cut it off. All right? It's, it's, some, it's something hilarious to watch. You know, if while you, they're making eye contact with you, they will smile. And if there are two seats vacant, by the time they get to the other side, you know, and some of them shake hands the same way, you know, and they, if you really only capture the moment, it looks so genuine, you know, they reach, you know, and sometimes they even say something, like, how are you? And then they respond, because the person will reflect, and they say, fine, thank you, and they shut it off. When we talk about joy here, we're not talking about that kind of perfunctuary or cosmetic joy or those professional courtesies when somebody asks you, like, how are you doing? And you may not be doing at all or doing well, but you say, fine, thank you. It sounds so right, but it is so much non-truth. Instead, what the joy really is, this is a complete contentment with God and his dealing. Now the question is, really, think about it. Are you really satisfied with God? Think about it. If you are, shouldn't you really then express that joy? Do you know there are some people whose facial expression always seem to exude joy? It means they always look happy. Now, if you happen to look at me, when I'm in a certain zone, People will tell you, don't go near him, boy. Mm. You see, but there are some people, when they sleep, they look the same, ready for camera. They, uh, they have this fixed facial expression. That's amazing. But if you are content, completely satisfied with God, do you think it should show up on your face sometime? I, all the time, I like that. You know, I believe that sincerely. This is what joy really means. It's a complete contentment and satisfaction with God and his dealing. We said earlier that God is indeed sovereign. Do you really believe that? God is sovereign. God is always in control. Yesterday, God was in control. You know what a secret? God is in control today. And let me tell you the biggest secret. Tomorrow, God will still be in control. And if you really grasp that, you should always, there's no need for you not to exhibit or express or live in a joyful mood. But if you are unsatisfied or discontent with God, then you allow something else, maybe that dirty word, circumstances, to come in and mess up your joy. Don't do it. Be, to be sure, it is this a deep abiding inner rejoicing which was promised to those who abide in Christ. It does not depend on circumstances because circumstances change. But instead it rests completely on a sovereign God who is in control at all times. 
And yes, to be sure, there will be hardships. Yes, they will come. There will be hardship that once in a while you and I will have to endure. But then there is rejoicing, though, in the midst of hardship. Those of us who visit sometimes people who are maybe, because it's more common, maybe ill and dire illness these persons may be experiencing. And when you go by to visit, you come away from these experiences wondering, well, how? How can somebody be so upbeat, so full of joy? When you ask them, how are you doing? Well, it's a lot of pain, but I get a praise on my lip, and I thank God. He's a way that ain't real. How could you thank God in the midst of your pain? You've been in this position for so long, and that, as it were, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, physically speaking. And yet these people come away, you can tell there is this spirit connection that this is a genuine, this person really believes that. And it is certainly evident in not only the words, but everything, it connects spirit to spirit, that this person really believes that. Yes, from time to time we will have pain in our life, but there's gladness in the midst of pain. As Paul so eloquently said, as in sorrow, yet always rejoicing. The Christian alone, or among all the peoples of the world, has a better reason to live and to be glad and joyful than any other persons who live on the earth. Do you agree with that? Out of all the peoples in the world, Christians have the best reason to be joyful. But if you look at some of them, and if you listen to some of them, that is not the case. It's contradictory. It is the Christian alone that knows beyond the shadow of a doubt that his sins are forgiven. It is the Christian alone that knows that he is the child of the Almighty. Do you recognize who your father is? I mean, who your father is? You don't know who you are or whose you are. If you do, you would rejoice. It is the Christian alone that knows that he has a mansion in his father's house. In glory. It is the Christian alone that has a divine assurance of comfort in times of sorrow, strength in times of sickness, solace in times of bereavement, help in times of distress, an ultimate victory in times of calamity. Joy then is love exalting, so says D.L. Moody once. Second, first Peter 1 8 says, I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hey, do you really express joy, the fruit of joy? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Now, remember I mentioned love. Remember now, love is the first one. Let me ask you this. You don't have to answer it. Even if I ask you, I know you won't answer out loud, you, you, you chicken. Um, um, you know what? Because love, could you really express joy if you don't have love? Uh-huh, uh-huh. See, when you, let's put it, joy, see joy as J-O-Y, Jesus overflowing in you. That's joy. Bubbling, exuding, leaking. You're leaking Jesus. You know, could you, could you, could you handle that? If somebody comes, they say, what's that? That's joy. Yeah. 
You're, you're dripping with this. Exuding, it comes out of your pores. That's joy. If you really, really have an intimacy with him, that's joy. Let's look at the other one. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Are you at peace today? Are you really at peace today? Now, peace could include peace, the peace of God. Certainly, you need to have peace with God. But not only that, you must be at peace with the children of God. Now, some people say, I, I have the other two. Uh, I'm I, I, I good to go. I mean, I have two other three and two bad, you know. You know, I have the peace of God and peace with God, but with the children of God? You don't know. Hey. But let me tell you, if it is a genuine... See, remember now, we are reflecting Christ's likeness. This is fruit of the Spirit. And he does not discriminate. I, I really have a problem not understanding that behavior. For those who says, I love God. Really? But I don't like who God loves. How do how you, how you fix that? How do you fix your mouth to say that? You know, because then it appears as if then God, you don't know. Can I advise you? You see him over there. You shouldn't be, so, don't show too much affection because I get the inside scoop on this one. They are unlovely. Therefore, you should not love them. Now, when since did God so um, require an advisor of your caliber? Who made you God advisor? Are you at peace today? Peace, true peace with God and then with his children. See peace as it is love and repose. Love and repose, chilling out, relaxing. That's peace. Now, it doesn't have anything to do with what's happening around. Just love and repose. Peace is an inner repose and quietness, even in the face of adverse circumstances. Do you remember the um, story about Jesus on the lake and a storm came? Notice when the psalm came, after Jesus gone to sleep, right? It's amazing sometimes when you rest and then some wake up. I mentioned to a group I was speaking with this morning, very briefly, but um, some people wake up good and some people wake up bad, you know? Um, it depends on how you wake them up, okay? Um, some people want to wake up themselves. They say, don't wake me. Let me wake myself. Um, then some people wake up, well, two extremes. Some people jump up, and based on their routine, they go on doing the same thing automatically. And, and then some people wake up crazy, if we call it, right? They ain't nobody is. They go on straight to Brother Paul. He went straight to the refrigerator instead of the restroom. You know, anyway. <laughs> you know, and then some people wake up, and you wake them up suddenly, they wake up angry. You know, heaven. You know, it's amazing. Jesus on the, on the lake, um, went to sleep. And this is just a synopsis here. Gone sleep. When he went to sleep, there's a storm 
that, that arose. And of course, the other boys in the boat, they get scared. Jesus sleeping. They woke him up. Get up. You, you could go sleep like this. You, I am not suicidal. Wake up. Help. Jesus woke up, spoke to the storm, tell him, be still, bro. You know, stop the wind. And then Jesus says to his disciples, you know, oh, yeah. He questioned their faith. Where is your faith? See, they have never, and then, and then guess what their response was? They say, wow. You see what he did? They didn't know who was in the boat. Who is in your life? Why are you not exhibiting peace? Are you out there on the boat of, let's call it the sea of life by yourself? Is Jesus with you? If he is, why are you getting upset? If Jesus, now we sing the song, I don't know what, they say, if something in the boat you can smile at the strong, we tell the little children to sing it. As a matter of fact, we even teach them how to sing it. But we don't believe that. No way, boy. When things tough, we jump in boat, <laughs> you know, screaming. Then where is your faith? Do you really then are at peace? Not really. But do you ever pray for peace? No, you're scared, eh? You know, yeah. You, you ever pray for joy? No, thank you. You ever pray to Lord, make me more loving person? No, because some of you are content with the level of love you have. That's it. I want more than that, because if I get more, I may have to love. Oh, oh no, keep me here. Keep me right here. Jesus asked his disciples on the Sea of Galilee, you know, where is your faith? This, this peace, and because, because he was in the boat, they should have been at peace, even though there was a storm around them. They didn't understand a thing, or at least they heard, but they didn't understand. If Jesus was there sleeping, do you really think that the one who created everything was going to succumb to a storm? And since they were tagging with him, I hang on with Jesus today. If you got up every day with that mental attitude, I'm hanging with Jesus today. So whatever happens, and remember what we said earlier, he is sovereign. So whatever happens today, this is no surprise to Jesus. No surprise. Even though that person who zipped out that corner, you know, and then you, you say, look up for your redemption drawing eye. You know, don't say nothing. <laughs> but Jesus knew that was going to happen. Just, just be chill out. You know, peace, repose, lay off, rest. Stop getting razzle and dazzle. But that's peace in a practical situation. If I said, as I asked a moment ago, have you ever asked for peace? Meaning, what is it that you are in right now that is causing you to be unsettled, restless? Where are you? Is Jesus with you? Really with you? We've been told... Uh, um, about what's happening with Pastor Lee at the moment. You know, yes, these moments when he is not doing his usual routine, he is learning so much. Seeing the hand of God in his life in such a profound way, and yet he can reflect and say, you know, he's always been doing this. I've not just been paying attention. That's a problem. And maybe we have not been paying as much attention as we should. Peace. It is a Expression of the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, it is love in repose. When you see love just chilling out, we call that peace. 
Peace is an inner repose of quietness even in the face of adverse circumstances. It defies human understanding. Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Now, often we are tempted to look at our circumstances to find in them reasons um, for our own peace of mind. If you say your mortgage is paid, I'm at peace. Yeah, I've made that bill. Financially, I'm sound. The children are not in hospital or in jail, so I'm at peace. My job is secure, so I'm at peace. My friends appear to be genuine and kind, so I had a peaceful day. Yeah, the peaceful week. The doctor went to him, check on my health, and the doctor says, Hey, are you in top shape? You're good for another hundred years. If you're still up Nassau Street. <laughs> you know, but hey, if these things are going well for you, you say, yes, um, I'm at peace. But when things suddenly change, we discover to our own chagrin or embarrassment or disappointment or sorrow that our peace was drawn from our circumstances that changes often and not from the Lord of our circumstances. And it's a simple switch in words. Where do you get your peace from? Circumstances or the Lord of, the sovereignty of all of your circumstances? And he changes not. Isaiah 26, 3 4 says that the steadfast of mine thou will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in thee. Trust in the Lord forever. For he, for God is the Lord, we have an everlasting rocking. James says, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Good words. But how do we apply it? And it is specified when we are in those difficult places. And then you take your mind back to him who is the source of your peace. And so I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to unhitch from your, your, your peace from the wagon of circumstances. And I want you to get the hookup with the Lord God Almighty. Psalms 121 says it. Who is your helper? Who is your keeper? Who will not allow your foot to slip? Who does not slumber or sleep? Who is your shade on your right hand? Who is able? Yea, he is more than able to support you with his everlasting arm. I'm asking you this morning to commit all of your yesterdays to him. To commit all of your today to him. Knowing that he is more than able. Knowing that he is your Lord and your God. I also want you to commit all of your tomorrows knowing that his mercies will be new every morning, every morning. Be like Christ. He exudes peace. Let me do this with your indulge me here. Just simply say this, as I mentioned at the beginning. Love it's a principal thing. If you don't really love, let me ask, does love need to have an object? Some people can say, I, 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 I'm, I'm so loving. Ask my mother. I just love, I'm a lover. 
So says Brad. Be close. And Brother Alton. If you love somebody, well, let's think about it this way. You do believe God is love, right? That, that sounds scripture. God is love. Are we supposed to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, which is love? It's the principal thing. If I don't have love, I won't be able to experience true joy. I won't really be able to experience true peace. And then there's some more that were mentioned there, the other six. Patience. That is long-suffering. Some people ask for patience. You don't ask for that, right? But we say it, Lord, give me patience. Uh, but we don't mean that. Because how do you know you have patience? How do you know when it comes, what it looks like? What color is it? How much does it weigh? You know, what does it look like? You have to be in a situation, it is long-suffering. You have to be in a difficult place. And where you said, well, I had a lot of... Do you believe Job was patient? Yeah. Um, patient is love on trial. It says that we are supposed to be kind. This is supposed to be an expression of, of the fruit of the Spirit. What is kindness? This is love in society. If you walk down the street, somebody can come up to you and say, you know, this, this person is kind. You, you, are you a Christian? Can they tell? Because that's what is seen in society. What about goodness? This is love in action. Love in action. We call that goodness. Faithfulness or faith. This is love on the battlefield. You ever been in any battle? Yeah? And then you say, Lord, give me faith. Now, sometimes these battles happen right in your own house. Yep. Maybe all of these things happen right in your house before you can export. Before we can see it here when we come from different places, as I said in our opening prayer, and God has brought us to this moment, at this place, at this time. What for? Do you think God has a purpose for you and I being here today? Yes, he does. Does not waste time or resources or his investment in people. And so I value these occasions and want to be sitting up straight, paying attention to what God is saying to me personally before I come here and want to talk or to share with you and making sure that how do I align up to you? How do you see me? Do you see me as, do I exhibit love? Mm -mm. Joy. Peace. I know him that good. Patience. Don't try that. Now, did I, did, I did tell you the time, but I don't, I, I was very impatient, right? You remember I told, tell me yes, you remember. You remember when I tell you about my, uh, um, in my siblings and my family, um, growing up, I was short-tempered. I didn't tell you that? I used to pick up anything that wasn't nailed down and throw it. I was a marksman from birth. All right? So I, if they say something, I ain't no long argument. You know, the rowing. And my sister who followed me, she is a professional rower. She was a professional rower. She could row you and call you things, names. Mind you, none of it was true. You know, she once called me and said, my teeth was big like pot cover. Now, I went and checked. 
But I didn't want to get into, I said, you can say that. I said, you want to fight? Let's get down to real stuff. Don't call me no names. Am I patient? Um, am I kind? What about goodness? Faithfulness, love in action or, or on the battlefield. Gentleness. This is love in school. Where you're being taught. You need to be gentle. And then finally, and then I will shut up. Self-control. Love and training. Do you have self-control? You know, sometimes I do take wings and fly off the handle, <laughs> fly hither and thither. You know, do you really have you self-control? If you are not as a child of God, then you're not exhibiting this grace virtue of the fruit of the Spirit. And could it be that God is saying, you need to get in control? And besides, by the way, God never asks you to do something that he's not providing enablement to do so. So you can't come up and say, I, I can't do it. I was trying that now for a whole week. And every time I come and this, every time this happens, I, I start flying. You know, off the handle, that is. You lose control. That's an excuse. It is not an acceptable excuse. And so I encourage you, my brothers and my sisters, as we try to reflect and demonstrate Christ's likeness in our life, let's commit this day from this moment to show the fruit of the Spirit. Let us love. Let us exhibit joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If I could have you commit to that, I believe sincerely that God would be pleased. I believe we would change our community. I believe we would change our homes, and by extension, our workplace, our country. Could you imagine what the Bahamas would look like if everybody in the Bahamas exhibit the fruit of the Spirit? It's a marvelous thought. It could start with us who are being obedient where there's no excuse. No excuse. And so my brothers and sisters, I encourage you, implore you to let's demonstrate in our life Christ-likeness. These are attributes of Christ that he certainly has exhibited while he was here on this earth, and he left us with the mandate to do the same, and the enablement to do the same. Let us love one another in these various forms, certainly through joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And now, like the hair on the shoulders of some of my brothers and sisters in Christ, I now sit. And in the words of a popular Hebrew musician from the Old Testament and more recently our beloved pastor of CBC, Sila, think and act on these things. Thank you.